Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Before we jump in, as we're wrapping up this series, um, and I want to simply, if I was to give this message a title, here's what it would be. Will you stand strong? Will you stand up for God? Please don't answer that. When it really comes down to it, when we look at life here, this side of heaven, What is it all about? Well, I can tell you this. It's not about me and it's not about you, but we've got to decide that. It's not about what ladders we climb or what name we've developed. It's all about, if you will, the ladder that God descended down upon and the name that's above all names. Will I stand up? Will I stand strong for what I claim that really matters most? I want want to read you some words that you may not recognize, but I'm pretty sure you'll recognize the name of who said them. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, I do not trust either in the Pope or in their councils alone, since it is well known that they are often aired and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. Those are the words of Martin Luther. And the reformation of the church began. Martin Luther, who... In the Lutheran tradition, wants to claim that he started their denomination, of which he did not. Martin Luther went to his deathbed saying, I die a devout Catholic. What's difficult for so many of us is that we tend to look at Catholicism, which I want to be careful about, and some in the evangelical church want to pass judgment, what I would caution you about. But not understanding who Martin Luther is, which skews the perception because they don't understand history. Martin Luther cared about God's holy church. And the only thing that he had in mind was to get it back on track of which they were skewing. And believe it or not, many if not most disagreed with Martin Luther. Do you know why? Because he was trying to get them back to what God had called the church to be, but they liked the comfort of where they were. If I could put it in today's time, I want to sing what I grew up with. I want to go back to what I've known. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be called out. Martin Luther was compelled of God. But here's what's interesting. When all the books and the pamphlets that he had written to the church, calling them back to what God had called them to be, He was ordered by the Pope himself as well as the Holy Roman Emperor to deny what he had written, but Luther knew he could not and he would not, even though he knew he would be excommunicated from the church of which he was. And even though, even the possibility of losing his life, in fact, the Holy Roman Emperor declared that anyone could kill Martin Luther without fear of any legal recourse. And I stop and I think, and I've read so much of Luther, and I just think, what was it like for him? His love for the church, his passion for God, everything he could to help people get back to what really mattered. And he would stand his ground, the unbelievable abandonment he would experience from those that used to call him his brother and sister in Christ. But yet the only reason we're sitting here right now in a lot of ways is because of Martin Luther. He changed the world. And you and I can too. I want you to look at the screen. I want you to read out loud with me from 1 Corinthians 16, 
Come on, church, let's read it nice and loud. Paul's words. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. If you've got your notes, would you circle the word stand? Courageous. Strong. Stand. Encourage. Be strong in the power of God. Stand up for something that matters. Have courage. And you'll experience the power of God. What's interesting, if you were actually to study this verse, when I was a kid growing up and, and, and we were challenged to do things by our buddies when we were little kids and we refused to do it and we sort of felt like we were chicken. Eventually someone would go, you big sissy, wussy. Some of you can't even say what you were called, okay? And please don't, all right? But I remember those words, and when you're a little kid, you're like, wow, and I know those are sexist words. I mean, they're really unfair. Little boys don't get it. They obviously haven't been in a delivery room, okay? And so, I mean, you're anything but a big, I mean, that should be a compliment. Big sissy, thank you. You know what I mean? But when you're a little boy, all they're trying to say is, be a man. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to the church, believe it or not. To the church of Corinth, he's saying, my goodness, really? You won't stand up for what matters? Have some courage. Do you understand the strength of the Lord? And literally, when you read commentary after commentary, you know what Paul's saying? You big sissy. And I don't mean this to be derogatory, but there's way too many big sissies in God's church today. Oh, we're standing up for some of the wrong things. Oh, we're having courage for things that really don't matter. And I don't say that to, be, to put anybody on the defense or to put anybody down. I'm just saying, church, I just wonder if we really met him to understand the power of who he is and what he can do. Oh, my goodness, this amazing God that we have, how much do we forfeit because we, we get so caught up in the world around us rather than who's inside of us and what God wants to do and how God can do it if we would just understand these words. And this is what we're going to talk about. So in Daniel chapter 6, let me bring you up to speed. Daniel is still in the palace. He's still one of the hierarchies. In fact, he's like second in command. Babylon continues to grow. He has a new boss now. His name is Darius. And just like all of his former bosses, they keep promoting Daniel. Daniel's a follower of God. He's very outspoken about his love for Yahweh in a pagan, unbelieving culture. And they keep saying, you know, you need to be in leadership. And they just keep raising him up. And so before we talk about in chapter 6 and wrap up the series, the famed story about Daniel in the lion's den... I think it's very important as we wrap it up, you need to understand who Daniel was and why I believe he keeps getting promoted and promoted. So I want you to look at chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Look what it says. Daniel so distinguished himself. In other words, Daniel made choices that mattered. And I'm just going to say what I've always said. Every one of us here in this room are a product of our own choices. You can keep blaming everybody else, but notice that's a choice to blame. You can play the victim, but that's a choice to be the victim. You're a product. That's why Joshua said, choose well. As for me and my house, we're going to choose the Lord. That's what Daniel did. Daniel so distinguished himself above all of the other governors and the administrators by his exceptional qualities. Notice what he chose. Here they are. He was honest, faithful, hardworking, trustworthy. He was honest, faithful, hardworking, and trustworthy. Notice in this series, as we've been talking about as we wrap it up, to live an unshakable life is not based on your skills. It's built on your character. And character is always the person knows who you are. It's who you are when no one's looking. I don't know if you read the devotion that I wrote this morning, but I was reading it this morning. I had to read it out loud with those who were in the car with me. I found this interesting. Is that talking about reputation, which seems to always be the thing we focus on the most. 
Your reputation is what people might write and put on your tombstone. But your character is what the angels will speak about you to God. I wonder what the angels are saying about you and I right now to God. What do you want them to say? I can tell you what they said to God about Daniel. Man, he's honest. He's faithful. He's such a hardworking dude. You can just trust him. And God was like, I know. I know. You know, during the 1996 presidential election, I'm not going to talk about the two that were running, but an issue arose, and some of you might remember it was the issue of character. Things going on in their personal lives that were coming public. In fact, I remember one reporter saying, listen, whoever's our president, what they do in their own private time shouldn't be of any concern for you and I. Hate to break the news to you. Who they are in private has everything to do with who they are in public. But Ron Hutchcraft said these words, it's the performance that gets our vote, not the character of the person. And sadly, I think we've been living that out. We've been watching that. Well, maybe with man, but not with God, folks. God is more interested in your person, not your performance. Because your performance is really, truly your person. And that's what made Daniel. So I want to give you three things real quickly about Daniel that you need to know that I think we need to learn. And then we're going to look at this story real quick. Daniel lived fearless. Say those words with me. Daniel lived fearless. One night, a little boy was asked by his mom to go outside and bring some firewood in for the fireplace. The little boy was frozen for quite some time. And mom said, why, why won't you go out there? He says, I'm scared of the dark. And I love what mom said. Mom said, well, there's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is out there. Little boy thought for a moment, walks to the door, opens up and says, hey, Jesus, could you bring in some firewood for us? <laughs> but I think that's how a lot of people live their faith in the church. Instead of stepping out and realizing that out in the dark, as long as you have Jesus, there is no darkness. There's just always light. We hide behind our Christianity. And then our prayers are like this. Hey, Jesus, if you would do this, then I'll, I'll do this. Hey, Jesus, would you do? And you know what I think Jesus said on the cross was? It's already been done. I don't need to do any more. I've already done it. Everything you need, you already have it. Daniel understood that. That's why he, he lived fearless. I'm not talking he walked out and was like, you know what I mean? He just wasn't afraid of nothing. I love that. Here's number two. He prayed faithfully. Say those words with me. He prayed faithful. Verse 10 says he knelt down to pray as usual. It's important you catch this. As usual. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done his entire life. Why did Daniel get to live and experience the things he experienced? Because here's the secret. If you want to stand strong, you need to learn to kneel often. Amen. Daniel always was before God. He's always talking to God. See, listen to this. Too often our prayers are what? In a crisis. But you need to understand something about Keith Lloyd. My best days are a crisis day. Amen. I don't know if you caught that. If in my best days I'm not praying, I'm allowing, I'm, I'm lying on my own strength. I'm trusting in me. One of the things God's taught me is don't you ever trust in Keith. So I, you just pray. I pray every day. Pray all the time. I'm praying as I'm talking to you. I'm praying that God protect them from me. As I'm talking to you, I'm praying, God, I pray they would hear your word. And it would really sink in. In ways I can't even fathom. I'm all, you always pray. Oh my goodness. I pray for everybody else when I get behind the wheel of a car. Don't you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Here's number three. He believed in forever. Say that with me. He believed in forever. Daniel didn't have that mindset that we hear so often. Well, it's now or never. Daniel didn't have that. You know what Daniel always said? Oh, every now is forever. Daniel never, ever started without the end in mind. Let me say it another way. 
When you understand forever, it changes every moment you're in. Can I tell you what sin is? When we sin, we're not thinking about heaven. We're thinking about ourselves and the gratification in a moment. But when you're thinking about God and forever and you know where you're going to be, it changes every moment you're in. See, he didn't think as well, it's now or never. No, he went, it's now and forever. That's how Daniel thought. That's how Daniel thought. So I want to quickly look at this story with you. Daniel in the lion's den. And what I want to talk about in light of who Daniel was and why he could do and, and, and all of the reason he lived the life he did. I want to talk about standing up for God for things that happened that Daniel understood. And as we wrap up this series, if we can live in this world and live an unshakable life in a shaked up world, these four things are going to be absolutely important. So we're not going to, if you will, it's not that he's in a lion's den. It's why he's in the lion's den and how he lived it. Because Daniel understood four things when you stand up for God happen in your life. So if you got your Bibles, Daniel chapter 6, and I'm going to begin in the sixth verse. Here's what it says. So the administrators and the high officials went to the king and said, long live King Darius. By the way, these are Daniel's employees. We are all in agreement that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. They're writing out of jealousy. They don't understand how a Hebrew, a Hebrew guy has their job when they've been in this pagan world ever since they've known it. How come he keeps getting the promotion and we don't? So they're trying to entrap Daniel. These are his employees. Your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. Verse 9, so King Darius signed the law. Signed the law. King Darius has no idea what's going to happen, but he will in a moment. I want to give you four reasons why we need to stand up for God because something's going to happen in your life. Here's the first one. Standing for God will build your faith and destroy your fears. Standing for God will build your faith. In fact, I believe this. Your faith can't grow any other way. It's in the game that it grows. It's when you get in and play, when things begin to happen. But what most people understand is not only are you growing, your fears are going, like away, out the door. Have you ever heard of this old adage, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything? You see, our faith is like a muscle. Muscles don't grow unless you stress them. Muscles don't grow unless you put them under tension. And the same is true with your faith. You can't grow eating bonbons sitting on a couch watching an episode of Cake Boss. Okay? It won't happen. Even though I have a man crush and buddy. I mean, he's awesome. But, but I got to tell you. But too many people, that's what they think. If I go to the right church and he feeds me, I'll be a Christian. Well, if you believe that's true, then you have to make a covenant with me that you'll only eat one meal physically a week and see if you live. I am not who I am because of the weekends. I am who I am and becoming because of every moment of every day. I'm going to walk and talk, be with my Jesus. That's what happens when you stand up. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I used to deliver newspapers. Anybody deliver newspapers? And, and, but here's the problem. When you do newspapers, you go to the local grocery store where they would drop them off, and all the little kids would gather, and we'd load up our little bikes. We thought they were really cool. At that time, we took those priceless baseball cards and put them in our spokes because um, we had no idea what they were worth because we were idiots. Anyway, so, but we'd put them in there because we thought the sound was cooler than the cash later. But I, uh, don't you wish you still had your baseball cards? Anybody in the room? Oh, my goodness. Um, so anyway, um, but we would, we would go in the morning when it was dark. I'm afraid of the dark. Rumor had it in the school hallways that kids died 
on paper routes. Because <laughs> it was dark. My brother Steve and I split the paper route up. He would go, if you will, to the eastern side of Wilbur, Nebraska, and he would deliver, I think it was about 34 papers. I would go to the north side and deliver my three. That's all I delivered. <laughs> but you have to understand, those three were the most difficult. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. Those people lived clear at the edge of town. It took a long time to pedal there, but I had to go through all kinds of scary neighborhoods, through the city park, by the courthouse. By the time I got there, I'm, I'm usually already soiled. And so I, <laughs> from the mud puddles, I would, anyway. anyway and and, I, and I, I didn't deliver the papers because I now needed the paper. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But, but I get there, and the first time I get ready to deliver the paper at the fee car residence, I hear this. <laughs> it was probably more like, yep, yep, little poodle. You know what I'm talking about? But to a little kid, and, and so what I learned real quickly for a week I would not even make the journey. I would just take the three papers, and when no one was looking, I'd put them in the dumpster by the high, but not a high V, but the grocery store. And then I would just wait under the light and thinking my brother's home, and then I would go home only for a week. Was that wrong? Yes, it was. But I told you only for a week because I learned something about fear. And I want you to write this down. Here's the first thing fear is just a feeling, it's not real. <laughs> Fear is just a feeling. It's not in your rear. In fact, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is a feeling. It's not even real. It doesn't even exist. And yet how many relationships have come apart because of fear? They separated the closeness of friends because something that wasn't even real, because they weren't brave enough to brave the truth, to have the conversation and together figure out what really matters. It's amazing how that happens. Here's the second thing I learned about fear. It only grows when you feed it, but it always dies when you face it. And do you remember that dog, Cujo? <laughs> I was afraid of him. He was just a little dog, a little yap. Wasn't even a big deal, and it was even on a chain in a gated yard. It's wild, but how many times do we sacrifice when you stand up for God, your faith grows, your fears go. It destroys them when you stand up for God. Here's number two. Standing for God provides opportunity for the miraculous. Standing for God provides opportunity for the miraculous. Look what the Bible says, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. Watch what he does. He knelt down as usual in the upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. Like we're not even going to go in quiet. Sign that law? Okay, here we go. He prayed three times a day, just as he'd always done, giving thanks to his God. Nothing changed. Regardless of where the culture goes, my God doesn't. I'm going to keep doing what I need to keep doing. Yet how many people, their Christianity flows with the culture? Verse 11, then the officials went together to Daniel's house. Here comes the entrapment to find him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king, reminded him of the law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays will be thrown in the den of lions? Yes, said the king. That decision stands. Verse 13, watch what happens. Then they told Daniel or they told the king that man, Daniel. Now watch this. Daniel was taken into captivity. He was about 15 years old. You might remember this. He's not 15 anymore. He is one of the key leaders in Babylon and has been there for a long, long time. I'm going to give you an insight you need to catch. Daniel, some people will say he's roughly maybe 82 years old now. Watch what his employees say. Watch this. Verse 13, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Let me just say something to you. There'll always be people in your life that will never let you forget your past. 
There will always be people who will keep reminding you of your past. And you know how you handle it? You pray for their future. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. He tried to think of ways to save Daniel. He loved Daniel. Spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king. Your majesty, you know according to the law that you signed, it cannot be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. I like this story because they're about to meet God. I love this stuff. I love this stuff. This is amazing. Listen to this very carefully. Growth is not linear. We're not growing toward Christ as in a sense of ladder. We're growing down in Christ in a sense of horizontal. You've probably heard the words, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Well, I love it when people say this, never be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. That's where the miracles are. If you want to see God, you've got to get beyond you. If it's comfortable for you, you're not going to see God. The miracles happen when you stand up for God. You want to see a coworker get saved? Well, you're going to have to step out there. You're going to have to tell that coworker about Jesus. Well, it might cost me my job. Uh-huh, but it might get their name written in the book of life. I'm not calling you to go find a way to be unemployed. I'm just saying you got to decide what matters. Standing up for God opens the door for the miraculous because here's number three. Standing for God is the powerful testimony for others. And I'm about to show you something I don't think you've known. In a couple months, we're going to celebrate what, what, what season? Christmas. I love Christmas. In fact, in, fact, in the Loy household, our Christmas tree is already up. It's been up for two weeks. I told you I love Christmas. The lights are on it. I turned it on this morning with the fireplace and I was like... It's the most wonderful time. I mean, I just also, I'm running around, the, you know, my house, my underwear. No, I'm not. Anyway, but, but I'm singing. I love the lights. I love the music. But my favorite part of Christmas is the nativity set. If you don't know what that is, that's that little barn that you buy, and it has Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. It has the, some animals, you know. I know one little family, they put puppies in there because the kids like puppies. And, and I know nobody has put a cat in there yet, praise God. But anyway, um, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, you can imagine that. <laughs> um, it, it, Jesus would be like, <laughs> anyway, so, but Mary, Joseph, you got, the, you got the shepherds. And then you have three, we always put three in there because of the three gifts. We have what? The three what? Wise men. Now listen to this very carefully. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2 say, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now, the eastern land they came from is modern-day Iraq, which was then Babylon. They come asking, where is he, the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star from the east and have come to worship him. Now, how does a bunch of pagan astrologers from a pagan land know about the prophecy of Jesus and know where he's to be born. Does anybody know the answer? Daniel. One man stood up. One man stood out. His faith grew. His fears went. He opened doors for the miraculous. And 18 generations after he died, a bunch of pagan wise men show up for Christmas. You talk about the long-term impact of standing up for God. It changes the world. But you better take a good look at when you choose to shrink back and be afraid, there's longer-term impact in that as well. And I think America's reaping that harvest. No slogan, one nation under God, is going to change this country. It's when the people of God stand up for the God that changes the country. Just like Daniel. The power. There's number four and invite the team to stage. Standing for God is always remembered and rewarded. It's always remembered. It's always rewarded by God. Whatever you're facing in a moment, 
God will remember forever when you stand up and trust him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, consider yourself blessed if people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you because of me. If that happens, be happy knowing that you'll be rewarded greatly in heaven and remember that you're in good company. They did the same thing to all my witnesses before you. They did it to Daniel. He had his critics. His own employees turned against him. But Daniel wasn't serving them as in trying to get liked. He served Almighty God, whom he knew he loved and was loved. I love that stuff. Daniel started strong 15 years of age when we launched into this. He remains strong, and he's getting stronger. Now at the age roughly of 82, he's getting stronger than he's ever been. Because we're not going to look at the rest of Daniel. But you know what the rest of the book is about? It's the prophecies that scholars have been studying ever since he wrote them about how the world's going to end. One man standing up, standing alone, standing out because of his God, his love for God. And we're having church talking about him today. He wasn't thinking that way. He wasn't thinking, boy, if I do this, boy, they're going to put my name on Esquire and I'm going to be, you know, he wasn't thinking that. He's just thinking the only thing that matters is my God. Think of the stories Daniel had to tell (laughs) to his children, to his grandchildren. Just because he stood. What are the stories that people saying about you? What are your kids saying about you right now? What do your grandkids say about you? Are they telling stories of the miracles of God showing up in your life in amazing ways? Are they talking about how you got to see God impact so many people around your world? Or do they talk about how you played it safe? You're just comfortable. Play church. What stories are others saying about you? You know, a little boy was asked by his mom, why are you so sad, son? I love what he said. He said, you know, I've been playing hooky all day from school, and I just found out it's Saturday. (laughs) I just close with this. I fear if God came back right now, some of your family and neighbors would go to hell. They would never hear about Jesus because you've been playing hooky the whole time. And you just found out you don't get another chance. Here's the other part that scares me is that maybe in your spirit going, praise God, I'm finally home. I've told you, I don't think that way. My name's in the book of life. Maybe I'm wrong when I say it. Maybe it's just me and skewed perception, but I don't want him to come back today. I have too many people I love that go to hell. I know where I'm going. But it draws me on Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. Here's what he writes, quoting John Piper. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had on earth, all the food you ever liked, all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, no human conflict, no natural disasters, would you be satisfied if Jesus wasn't there? If forever for Keith Loy is having to live in this cesspool of humanity in a lot of ways, and this was my eternal home because Jesus is going to be with me, then God, may it be so I never want to leave planet Earth if I go to heaven and you're not there. For the only reason I'm going to be in heaven is because of Jesus. I don't want to never know life without him. I don't care where it's at, here on earth or in heaven. It's only because of Jesus. How about you? 
We live in a shaked up world. We need people to start living an unshakable life like Daniel. Because it's in that that we get to grow our faith and our fears go. We get out on the limb in places and we get to see the miraculous and all of a sudden God moves and the powerful testimonies of people coming to Christ. I've been a witness of so many. And God will never forget that. He never forgets you. He never forgets me. We've been opening up the altar. You'll see the communion is up here. We're just inviting you if you would like to come. What a moment of coming to communion. I'm going to pray. Here's how we're going to close the service. There'll be people when you open your eyes, they'll be up here to pray with you. They're not going to serve you communion. You're, it's between you. You can do that with your spouse, your family, your deal. I'm just telling you that your pastor's going to... I'm going to kneel here. And I'm really asking God, I can't build your church. I don't know how. But you can. I want the Holy Spirit to move here more than I've ever wanted it. Because it's the only thing that matters. I want our church to see the miracles of God that only God can get the glory. So I'm asking you if you join your pastor Maybe you, maybe you need to pray for someone. Maybe there's a marriage or, or a family member or something that's struggling and you just need to come and people need to pray with you. But I'm asking even at that, if not, would you come and find a place to join me at the throne of God and saying, God, we need you to fall. We need you to do what only you can do. We want to see you. And God, whatever you have to do in me, I'm open, do it. I want, I want this church to see the miraculous. Because when that happens, the whole world takes notice. When you lift me up, I will draw. They're going to sing afterwards. If you want to get baptized, whatever, people to pray, that's fine. They're going to sing. You come. If you need to go, you go. But I want to pray. Father, I thank you for the story of Daniel. I thank you that you're calling us out to live an unshakable life, and we can do that in you, only in you. We can't do it in our own strength. We need you desperately. Come, show us, teach us, do what you have to in us that we would be your people and we get to watch you be our God. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button Take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.